Let us turn our attention now to our reverse text for this week. All week we have been reading together from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21. So if you'd find that in your bulletin and stand, we're going to read this aloud together. This then is the text for today. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, in that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. It's fun for us to imagine what kind of superpower we might have. You see these often on posts online where people are seeking engagement. They'll say something like that. What superpower would you want in your life right now? You see the, the same thing at dinner parties. You'll see a kind of icebreaker card on the table to get the conversation going. What superpower would it be? flight, invisibility, the strength to, to lift a building off of its foundation? Would you want the ability to outrun a cheetah? These sorts of things are, are fun debates. Or, or you, you might take with it, there's, a, there's another similar one, that what would you do if you had unlimited funds? Right, if, if we like to imagine what life would be like if the bank account balance didn't fit on the page, right? We, we, we picture this, this other life where all of our problems have dissolved. But, you know, our general approach to these kinds of icebreaker questions are meant to be fun, right? They're, they're meant to bring engagement. And, and so we come up with responses that would be exciting, Responses that would beget responses. That's typically how we respond to those kinds of things. Rarely do we consider those kinds of questions in earnest. And in fact, today I think our scripture is helping us reconsider those kinds of daydreams. What if it were so? That if you had access to the infinite power of God, and, and if you had access to the unlimited resources of heaven, what would you ask 
See, here in, in the text, in Ephesians 3, the Apostle Paul is pinning a prayer to God over the church at Ephesus. And in this prayer, as it unfolds, there is no mistaking who the Apostle Paul is praying to. And in fact, that's where he begins. We get into 14 and 15. If you'll look there with me. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. This prayer is addressed to our God, or excuse me, our Father, right? Similar to the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gives to us. And this is not just some generic God, but our Father. And not just our Father, but the Father, the, the creator of the heavens and earth, who formed you in your mother's womb, who took every cell of your being and began to put that together in the appropriate order so that you would be who you are and who you're going to be. You see, this God, this, this God who spoke the entire world into existence by the sound of his voice by saying, let there be and it was, that's who this prayer is addressed to. Our God, the, the origin of all creation, e even those alien creatures thousands of feet below the surface of the sea that will never see or know, God from heaven created those beings and knows their innermost parts. God that created every creature of this world in a word, that's who the apostle is praying to. You see, in our God, being the creative origin of all of life on this planet, and our God being the creative origin of every rock in our solar system, this God that the apostle is praying to is the same God who can break the very laws of physics that he wrote into this world. If we need him to walk on water, he can arrange the hydrogen and oxygen in such a way that a single drop of water could support the weight of a building. So this prayer in Ephesians 3 is lifted up to that God who is able to do things unimaginable to us but in his power are simple. See, this is a God who if we needed a loaf of bread could say, let there be bread, and it would be so. This God, if we needed Mount Everest move from Asia to Antarctica, God could do it in a single breath. In fact, if you look with me, the, the end of this prayer, go, to, go down to verse 20 now, and it begins this way. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond, or you see that, that language, it's almost indescribable, the greatness of our God, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. See, this is who our God is. This, this is the God that we pray to. This is the God the, the apostle is praying to, who is able for whatever we want or need, God is able. God the Father is the origin of all. So that when we have access to the infinite power of God and the unlimited resources of heaven, what then do you ask? If you've been permission, to, been given permission to come before this God and approach his throne with confidence, what do you say? 
What do you ask of him? It's appropriate for us to think through what, what is good, what, what, is, what is right to ask of him who has unlimited power and him who has unlimited resources, what do we ask? And I think the Apostle Paul approached it this way, and I think this is what we see unfold in the Scriptures, is that we go back and we look at what he's already done so that what he has completed informs our conversation with him. Right, so, so this God, this beyond the scope of our imagination, what has he done as we turn through the pages of Scripture? And God, in, in all of his powerful authority, and, and God, in, in, in all of his, his resources, he became incarnate. So out of all of that, we get the person of Jesus Christ. God the Father sent his son, the Christ, and this wasn't an, an adventure to experience creation from a different point of view. This was directly for you, this, this was directly so that you could have the help that you need this morning. That, that God and all of his authority and all of his resources sent his son so that you could have that which you need. Because before, it wasn't there. See, God in his infinite wisdom knew that there would come times of desperation in your life particular moments where Satan's claws are so deep into your flesh that you can no longer see anything else. And God, in his tirelessness, and in his, his knowledge knew before you ever realized it that your greatest need in this fragile life would be to reverse the effect that sin has had on your life. Sin has plagued you from day one. The, the, the sin of other people have, have come in near to your life and begun to affect it. But, but, but more dramatically, your own sin and where you have fallen into temptation has dramatically led to decay in your own life. There are a lot of things that we see in our life that we, we feel like we need to overcome that thing, whatever it is. But the pages of Scripture tell us the greatest need that we have and that which needed to be overcome was the effect that sin has had on our life. And God said, I'm going to send my son Jesus Christ to reverse that effect so that you could be set free. You see, the incarnate work of God in Jesus meant that before you knew you needed him, while you were still being enticed by the sheen of temptation, Jesus came to this earth to be your sacrifice to redeem you out of that slavery to sin and self. When you're caught up in the middle of it, you don't understand it, but Jesus came anyway. Even when you didn't understand, he came. And in this way, when, when we are in slavery to sin and self, we are an enemy of God. And still Jesus came. God in his mercy sent his son. This is a, a part of what he speaks of in verse 16. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want you to hear this prayer request. Remember, this is a prayer that Paul is writing over the church at Ephesus. And, and he prays of them, what you need is Jesus Christ to take up permanent residence in your heart. 
That's what you need to know. That's what you need to have this morning. That's what you need to experience together is what it means for Christ to abide in you. That's what you you need above everything else in this world is, is this indwelling of the Christ. You see, I I want you to notice the nature of this prayer request. It's quite different than what we normally hear in our prayers and it's quite different than what we normally hear in our prayer requests. You see, this that he prays over them transcends all physical problems. Whatever the physical problems and physical barriers that we face, having the incarnate, resurrected Christ live in your heart supersedes all of those things and stands above all of those things. Whatever they are, and that's how he prays. He prays for them that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, would send his Son to live in your heart. Why isn't this our normal prayer request? Why isn't this what we desire for ourselves? Why isn't this what we desire for our neighbors, that Christ would abide in us? You see, in our weakness and in the flesh, we often picture something different when we inquire of the unending riches of God. You see, when when we try to seek out what's available in his incomparable wealth, we often think of physical things. But the prayer in Ephesians is for the spiritual to experience Christ. You see, this is different than, than the way most of us pray. And and in fact, I want us to think of it this way. You see, this is, this is not for the Father to do something else. Right? This isn't us asking for the, the Father to come in and do something in a future. But for this incarnate, resurrected Christ to come in as near as possible to you. That, that what he prays for them is this Christ who has ascended into the heavens to to then come in to your heart to recreate that which was lost to sin's decay. And, And Jesus, in the creative authority of God, will recreate in your heart all that has been lost, all that sin has ruined, Jesus Christ will recreate in this unlimited power of heaven and unending resources of God, Christ will come and recreate that which was lost in your heart. You know, it's, it says something about us that when we think of superhero abilities, right, when we think of unlimited power or when we think of something like unlimited resources, it, you know, it, it says something about us when, when all that we come up with are physical things, the uh, external things. Because that's our tendency as humans is to see the world through that, that physical lens, through our senses, and understanding that that's what we have to face. But here in this prayer, it moves away from the external and it does the opposite. It, it moves to the internal to something spiritual like the incarnate Christ abiding in your heart. And and up above that in verse 16, he says, for the Holy Spirit to, 
to come into your life and strengthen your inner self, your inner being. That's what he's praying over them. Not for God to do something else, but, but for the spirit to come into your life and strengthen you. Now again, it's not your biceps. It's not, it's not a physical strength, but for the spirit of God to strengthen your heart and your, and your mind your thoughts and your, your memories that make up who you are, for, for the Spirit to come in and, and strengthen the processes that produce your decision-making, for the Spirit to come in and, and strengthen the way you analyze your surroundings, your, your inner self, your spiritual self, for, for the Spirit to strengthen you so that you're stronger internally than you've ever been before, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be stronger internally than you've ever imagined. You see, the, the prayer then is that the, our God would use his otherworldly ability, that he would send his Holy Spirit to better you internally so that you can handle and process life in the wisdom of God. You see, as he, he prays over them, there's this, this nature of Christ's abiding. And then we see that there's the nature of, of the Holy Spirit strengthening so that you're not tossed about by emotions, so that you're not led astray by every fraud who plants something in your mind, but that you have the power of God to be discerning so that you would see this life plainly as Christ would have you to. You see, with him praying that over the church at Ephesus, out of that, there's something dramatic that's happening. When, when, when Christ abides in your heart and the Spirit of God is instilling you with strength, your life is almost unrecognizable. It is, it is wholly different. When, when those internal changes begin to take place, you are then uniquely prepared to handle everything that's external. Right, everything else in this life and, and everything that's gonna come at you, you can now handle them in the strength of knowing Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the prayer here then is that your actions and your behavior would operate out of the creative power of God rather than whatever physical strength you can muster up that day. Because as it stands, our physical strength is waning. And our wisdom is insufficient. So then, if you have access to the infinite power of God and the unlimited resources of heaven, what then do you ask? I think the uh, apostle in this scripture gives us a good example of what we are to ask. Here he continues as you, you come down into 18. And 19. See, as he, he works this out, the, the, the prayer for them then, right? So he's praying this will be the work of Christ in you. This, this will be the work of the Spirit in you. And he says what that's going to produce is that you'll be able to comprehend the incomprehensible. Right, so look with me at, at 18 and 19. So that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. 
that you would know the unknowable. The prayer request there is so that you would comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth of God and his love. And, and all of that, I'm sure you understand this, all of that is an odd phrasing as it stands. On the surface, the prayer request doesn't make sense. Or, or in a physical sense, it doesn't work. And, and I suspect that's intentional in this way, that a normal physical measurement will be rendered in 3D, right? Three dimensions, length, height, width. But, but here, we, we see a fourth. Likely in, in addition, or, or a nod to the spiritual, that, that this is greater than us, that this is, this is greater than this physical world that we live in, that God's love in Jesus Christ at the cross is beyond us. And, and his prayer over them is, I know this is beyond you. I have known this. This was beyond me. This, this was foolishness before. But, but my prayer for you is that God's love in Christ Jesus becomes comprehensible to you. And it's only by the Spirit of God that this becomes so. Outside of the Spirit of God, it doesn't make sense. In verse 19, he continues that you would know the love of Christ that's unknowable otherwise. And that if you would begin to know and understand and, and comprehend this love of Christ at the cross who emptied himself for you, who when you were at your worst, when, when you were at your lowest, brought grace, abundant grace that could bring you up out of the depths if you could just begin to understand this, this love that flowed from the Christ at the cross, it would transform your life. You see, life lived in 3D when we fail to recognize the, the power and the love that it took for Christ to go to the cross for us. See, we, we miss out on, on what life is and what this life was meant to be. But this, this is why I praise this over them. If, if you would begin to understand a little bit better today, if, if you could comprehend a, a little bit more fully this, this love of the Christ, then life is gonna look completely different. Your, your, your motivation is gonna be completely different. If, if you would begin to know how his mercy redeemed you, it, it changes to how you react to people. To people. This love your neighbor as yourself becomes far easier. This forgive others as I have forgiven you becomes far easier when you can, when you can taste the love of Jesus Christ. Now this, this love is beyond you, but the prayer is that it becomes comprehensible to you. So in verse nine, he, he continue, or 19, excuse me, he continues you know the love of Christ. And as we do, all the everyday physical problems that are typically on our prayer list, all the, the everyday physical things look cartoonish in the light of the cross. That if, if you begin to just understand on, a, on, a, on some level Christ suffering for you, you become far more willing to suffer for another. 
You'll lay down your life for somebody else. You see, the, the way this prayer of the Scripture is prayed over the Ephesians, when answered, molds life beyond recognition. To pray that you or, or that anyone else would, would begin to, to comprehend or know the love of Christ in an ever-deepening fashion prompts in us action that, that we could never imagine. That, that if you could begin to understand the cross on, on a, a deeper level, that brings about fruit that's beyond our comprehension. See, he says if, 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 if Christ abiding in your heart and, and the Spirit strengthening your inner self and, and, and God gives you a knowledge of these things, a growing knowledge of these things, the possibilities of your life then are endless. And, and the fruit of your life is far greater than anything else you could produce on your own and out of your own strength. So then, if, if, if you have access to the infinite power of God and the unlimited resources of heaven, what then do we ask? Here in Ephesians, we see this vision beyond the physical demands of this life into the real spiritual opportunity that we have in Christ. And those things that ail us on this earth are nothing in comparison to the surpassing glory of our God and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. May the Spirit make it known to us. Let's pray together. Lord, some of us have forgotten how desperate our need for you was. Lord, there's other, of us, other ones of us that have not yet realized the depth of destruction that sin has brought into our lives. And Lord, for those of us in desperation, we pray that the love and mercy showed at the cross would fill us up and make us whole. And Lord, we, we pray that for each one of us, you would remind us of that work. that we might begin on some level in our minds, in our ways, begin to comprehend and know the power of the cross, the love that was displayed in death. And Lord, we, we pray that you would make things right. In our hearts, in our minds, Lord, make things right. Where we have been wrong, Lord, make it right. Where we have been wronged, 
Lord, come and heal. We need you. And Lord, we pray that together we would experience that mercy. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.